Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to thank you for joining us again this week on the program, and I trust that you've been following us and uh, watching uh, every week. And uh, if you've missed any of the programs that we've been sharing, we've been sharing now for about three weeks on seeing God through the lens of covenant. He's God, He changes not, but He's a covenant-keeping God, and He always honors His Word above His name. And there were some things that we shared last week, especially I believe that was one of the most important pieces of, uh, of teaching we've done for a while on the air, talking about why God did certain things as far as raining down judgment and wrath. How does wrath fit into the picture? Uh, if you don't see it through the eyes of covenant, it, it, it almost looks like God's schizophrenic. But God is not schizophrenic. He simply operates through the lens of covenant. And we're going to come back today, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And uh, I think you'll be blessed by it. But if you missed any of those, you can go back to our YouTube channel. And everything we have aired to date is archived there. You can go simply to the website, and there's a link straight there to our YouTube page. And if you've got any kind of smart device, you can watch it on your iPhone, your iPad, your computer, your smart television, your Roku stick. There's so many ways to get it that uh, it's incredible. And uh, that's probably the easiest way because it's archived there and you can watch it on demand. There are also apps you can get for your phone. You can get some of the apps for some of the uh, channels we're on to watch it live. But the easiest way would be just to go there and get it from YouTube. Also, you can get it on iTunes. The audio portion of these programs are on iTunes. If you go there and sign up for our podcast, you can listen to it on your drive to work and redeem the time. And, uh, you know, to me, that's one of the most... Uh, enjoyable times for me is when I'm in my car to be able to listen to podcasts or scripture or something that helps me to redeem the time. There's also an RSS feed there on our website to take you to where you can get that for your Android-based device also. We're going to go to Matthew 8 today and uh, try to share some things here. It said, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, there came a leper, worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and said, I will be thou clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus saith unto him, See that thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak thou, or speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come. And he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. And Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say to you, I have not found, watch this, so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was sealed in that selfsame hour when Jesus was coming to Peter's house. 
He saw his wife's mother late sick of a fever, and he touched her hand. The fever left, and she rose and ministered to them. Now, what I want you to see in this particular segment is that Jesus comes, and a centurion comes to him. And the centurion says to him, I have a servant who is sick. And you could come, you, uh, I have a servant that is lying sick of a disease. And, uh, and Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says to him, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof, but speak the word only. And he begins to tell him something about authority. Now, I want to say, I, want to, I, I believe this is part of it, but it's not the main thrust. This man understood something about authority, so that helped his faith operate a little bit. Now, I believe there's been a lot of abuses of authority in the local church where we, you know, have looked to men for authority, but Jesus is really saying here, or what the centurion is saying is, listen, I understand authority that comes from a king. I understand authority that comes from delegated authority, and so I know that you are a man of authority, and so all you've got to really do is simply speak the word but Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to heal him. And then Jesus begins to marvel at this man, and he says to him, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, there's only one other place in the Scripture that he uses that same term, so great faith, and it's in Matthew. And let me show you this. Matthew uh, 15, verse 22 says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread, and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the, the, the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, watch this, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from hence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into the mountain and sat down. Now, there are two times in the Scripture that I'm aware of that Jesus says, I've not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. The one time is with the centurion here in Matthew 8, and the other time is with this woman of Cana, whose daughter is grievously vexed. He said, I've not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I said, Lord, why is that only ever mentioned twice in the Scripture? But the key, first of all, is the common denominator here is not authority, because authority, I believe, is important. But in the story of the centurion, he understands authority. But in the case with the Canaanite woman, she's not talking about authority. Matter of fact, he's literally trying to ignore her because he's a Gentile. See, if you remember, what I was teaching in the last several weeks is God moves through the lens of covenant. We have to understand why. Well, he's not giving this at this point. He is sent, first of all, at this time, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
But the faith of this woman reaches out into a covenant that's not yet been given and grabs something from her future and brings it back into the present, both her and this centurion. But here's the common denominator. Neither one of these, this centurion soldier or this Canaanite woman, neither one of them are Israelites. They are both Gentiles. And, and I believe the reason that he says, I've not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel, is because these Israelites were still under the covenant of the law. And the scripture says in Galatians 3 that the law is not of faith. As a matter of fact, it says that the law shuts up faith. And so he says, I've not seen so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And then he turns around and says to them, after he talks especially about the centurion, he said, I've not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. But he says, but yet I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the invitation to Gentiles. He said, listen, they're going to come from the east and the west, and they're going to sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. See, again, ah, there's too much to preach. But we think about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven like that's where we're going to go when we die. He's, that's not, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven was something that was coming on the scene right then. It was the government that was going to replace the law. The government of living spirit that would flow from the Holy Spirit for the kingdom of God would not be meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy located in the Holy Ghost. And he said the kingdom is about to be taken from these uh, Jews, if you will, and given to a nation producing the fruit. They're going to come from the east and the west. They're going to come and sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the children of the kingdom are going to be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's not talking about them going to hell. He's talking about them losing the covenant of promise. And he's talking about some judgments that's going to come upon them within about 40 years of this happening right here because it would literally be, uh, they would be cast out where they would be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and there would be great distress upon this nation and uh, all the curses of Deuteronomy would begin to come upon this nation because they did not receive their Messiah. I could take you back to another uh, parable where Jesus is talking about a certain man that made a great supper. He made a marriage for his son. And he bade many to come. And they wouldn't, some of them made excuses. And some said, you know, I've done this or I bought a field. I need to go see it. I married a wife. I cannot come. And they begin to make excuses why they can't come. See, we got to put this in the audience relevance that it's talking to. This audience is primarily Jewish, and they're being offered the covenant of promise, and they're being invited to the wedding feast. They're being invited to a supper. But what's happening is they're not coming to this supper. They're missing everything that could be theirs on the basis of the promise Messiah has now come on the scene because he is the seed of Abraham and he is the royal seed of David and he's now on the scene to deliver not only the promise of Abraham but the Davidic kingdom of God, the messianic kingdom that has been available for 2,000 years and they are about to miss this. But if you remember the other parable, when Jesus does this, he says to them, listen, go out of the highways and byways. Find others to come in. And he said that my wedding will be furnished. I'm telling you, that was what he was talking about here was the inclusion of the Gentiles and that they, when the Gentiles uh, that he was talking about would come in, they would come in through the promise of God by faith. That's the great faith. But the great faith is a result of not being under law. I believe that we are standing in an hour when great faith ought to be coming on the people of God. 
There is a deep groan in my spirit. There is a real cry in my heart to see the manifestation of the power of God. Not just doctrine and teaching, not hype, not, you know, the hyped up stuff where nothing really happened, but, uh, you know, but a bunch of hype. I'm talking about real power being demonstrated. I'm talking about real healings taking place. In my opinion, listen, and I don't mean to sound down today, but I'm going to tell you, I believe that God wants to do far more than we're seeing operate. I believe we are watching people die way too early. We are seeing people in our families that are sick, that need healing. We are seeing believers suffer. I don't believe that's the will of God. Matter of fact, if you read the first part of Matthew 8, when he talks to that servant uh, that, uh, you know, says, Lord, you can heal me if you want to. He said, I want to be made whole. But I believe the thing that holds us back from the demonstration and the power of the miraculous is that we've set under the wrong covenant and we're expecting judgment and wrath and, and plagues and curses rather than we're, you know, as many as are of the works of the law are under curse. You keep on preaching the law, it keeps on shutting up faith. It keeps on putting people back in unbelief and it stops us from being a company of people who are full of faith, great faith, to see tremendous deliverance come. I believe with the restoration of the message of grace and favor that there's a faith arising in the people of God like a tsunami of faith. It's going to release the power of God to manifest. And listen, I'm all ears because I'm not seeing it like I'd like to. Yes, we're seeing miracles here and there. We're seeing somebody touch here and there, but it's the exception and not the rule. And I want to see the demonstration of the power of God that comes through hearing the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word God there in the interlinear Bible, if you pull that down in your interlinear Bible, the word God there is the Greek word Christos. And it literally reads like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So the more we preach Christ, the more we preach his finished work, the more faith is going to arise and a great faith is going to come. That's going to touch both, I believe, Jew and Gentile. And we're going to see the miraculous hand of God begin to bring deliverance to people on so many levels. If I could just show you this as well in light of what we've shared over the last several weeks with covenant. But I want to go to the book of Hebrews because I've preached the book of Hebrews for years, but never really caught my attention until last year about sometime. But Hebrews 11 is the great hall of faith, if you will. It's all about the Hebrews of faith. And the whole point of Hebrews 11 is to take the focus of these Hebrews. Yes, it was written to Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. That's the audience relevant. How do you know that, Dr. House? Because that's the name of the book. And in chapter 10, he's warning them in chapter 10, the latter part of chapter 10 of Hebrews, he's warning them, don't go back to Judaism. Don't sin willfully and go back and trample underfoot the blood of Jesus and do despite to the spirit of grace. Don't make that the blood of the covenant an unholy thing. In other words, stop going back to Judaism and offering your sacrifices and doing your divers washings. That's what he talked about in chapter 10 when he said, listen, if you sin willfully, once you've been enlightened and you tasted the power 
of the coming age. The coming age was the age of the new covenant that was upon them. And he said, if you go back, once you've tasted the power of this new coming age, the power was from the coming age. So for those who believe it ceased with the apostles, they only had a foretaste, or if you will, the first fruits. They had uh, just a forerunner of what we ought to have in this new day of the kingdom of God and the messianic kingdom of Christ that we're already a part of is it was the powers of the coming age. But they were wanting to go back to Judaism, and Paul was writing them and sternly warning them in chapter 10, don't go back to this. Because if you do, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, if you go back to Judaism, there's not another lamb of Jesus coming. There's only one sacrifice that can take away sin, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he's telling them who are being tempted to go back, now take your focus off of that and put your focus on your heroes of faith. Because these men in Hebrews 11... Their heroes of faith had all done something in the visible realm that was a picture of what they were hoping would come in the new covenant. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. The Passover is a picture of Jesus. By faith, Abraham offers up Isaac, his son. Those are all pictures of the redemptive work of Christ. He's trying to take their focus off of missing the mark under uh, missing the mark or sinning, if you will, which means the word sin means to miss the mark. But the sin that was specific here was they were about to miss the mark and go back up under Judaism, under old covenant rituals in chapter 10, they're going back up under the law of Moses. So when he says in chapter 11, look here at your heroes of faith. And after he shows them their heroes of faith, then in chapter 12, he opens, says, lay aside every sin. The sin here is not just some act you did last night. The sin was these people missing the mark and going back to Judaism. He's saying lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset you because the weight and the sin that you were carrying was the weight of carrying an old covenant paradigm. He said look away from that and look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith because your faith will come alive once you get your focus back on Jesus. And then in chapter 12 he says lift up the hands of the weary that hang down because what's made us weary is we've set on our legalism and law and the wrong covenant until let's put a weight back on people's shoulders where we can't run with patience the race that's set before us. I came to help you unload a little bit today. I came to tell you to lay down your heavy burden. A lot of the burden that people carry in the church is because they're seeing God through the wrong covenant. Let's not go back. Let us lay aside. Let's not miss the mark of the new covenant. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and get our faith back on track where it becomes a great, a great faith that's not a product of performance-based Christianity, but a product of not being under law. See, this centurion and this Samaritan woman, or this Canaanite woman, neither one of them had had the law, and so they just have faith. And I love how this, one, this woman looks at Jesus. She says, listen, you know, it may not be the time. It may not be the season. I might even be a Gentile dog to you. But the truth of it is, even dogs eat crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus turned around and said, man, wow, you know, this woman is not going to give up. Her faith is going to lay hold of something that's not even available to her yet. And Jesus turned around and heals her because her faith was so strong. Now, let me show you this in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, as he's telling them to look away from, you know, uh, uh, Moses and look unto Jesus. And he's trying to get them to look at the heroes of faith who did something in the visible realm that was a picture of uh, the redemptive work of Christ. Let's go to chapter uh, 11 here. It says, uh, verse 25, well, let's, uh, let's go to verse 27, because if I get there, it, I'll get bogged down. But verse 27 says, by faith, uh, 
talking about Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. But watch this, verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell, fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now, what I want you to see is, I, I never saw this before, but it said that Moses, through faith, kept the Passover. That's a powerful picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. He is our Passover. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, and the same water that saved them destroyed their perpetual enemy forever. That's what water baptism does in our lives as believers today, is that the same water that saves us is the same water that destroys our perpetual enemy forever. But what I want you to see is, the next thing it says that happened by faith, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. Now what I want you to see is between verse 29 and verse 30, there's a 40-year wilderness journey. The moment they crossed the Red Sea, nothing makes it into Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith that happened by faith. Nothing from the time they crossed the Red Sea until they come to the walls of Jericho. You say, why is that? Because at, when they crossed the Red Sea and they came out of the Red Sea, they're in the wilderness of Sinai. And if you remember the last three weeks I've been teaching on the Mosaic Covenant, the moment they crossed the Red Sea is the moment they forfeited a personal relationship with God for a mediator system and God gave them the law on Mount Sinai. The moment the law came, here's what Galatians chapter 3 says, the law shuts up faith, for the law is not a faith. The more you preach law, the less you're going to have faith. The more you preach legalism, the more it shuts down faith. And the wall, and from right here, the moment the law came when they crossed the Red Sea, nothing makes it into the hall of faith that happened as a result of faith. The next thing that happens is, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. So here we are 40 years later when faith kicks back in. You say, well, what happened there? Well, first of all, a new leader came on the scene. Moses, my servant, is dead, and now Joshua's on the scene. How many know that Moses is a picture of the Old Covenant, and Joshua is a picture of Jesus? Joshua, Yeshua, and Jesus are the same name in Hebrew. So Moses brought you out with a rod, but Joshua brought them in with the mercy seat. And you say, well, why did the, the, the faith kick back at, at the walls of Jericho? I can just kind of see it like this. I see Joshua get before God and say, listen, what's the strategy? How do we take Jericho? I mean, you look at the thick walled cities, man, but, but, but you know, uh, here we are 40 years later when 10 spies came back before and said, we can't take it. What's the strategy, God? And God said to Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get these three to six million people going in the same direction at the same time with their mouth shut. That's probably the biggest miracle of the old covenant is to get that many people going in the same direction with their mouth shut. And you say, well, Brother House, why is that important? It's important because the book of Romans, chapter 2 and 3, especially chapter 3 says that God gave the law so that every mouth would be stopped and all the world would become guilty before God. God gave the law so you would shut up and stop talking 
and thinking you can do this on your own. God gave it so that by the time they get to Jericho, after 40 years of wilderness wandering, they ain't got nothing else to say. They have exhausted it. They started out this covenant. If you remember in former segments, they said to Moses, whatever he says to you, we will do it. And if we do it, it will be our righteousness. And the tragedy of it is, is they hadn't, the rocks hadn't even got cold until they've already broke the law of Moses. But the moment they come to Jericho, now every mouth has been stopped. The law did exactly what it's supposed to do. Every mouth has been stopped. And Joshua said this. He said, when you hear a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, you tell the people to begin to shout. Now, I want you to think about this. A ram's horn comes from the death of a male lamb. And what he's saying is the moment you hear a message coming through the death of a male lamb. Jesus, of course, is the male lamb. Say it another way. The moment you hear a message coming through the finished work of Jesus Christ is the moment that there ought to be a shout that rises up from within your belly that begins to shout to every wall and everything that's kept you back from your promise. And your faith ought to spring alive and come again in you until you begin to shout and praise God until the walls come down. Your shout has got some power. I believe sometimes we need to get a shout in us that's coming from a message. And the moment that happens, it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Because the moment you hear the message through the rams, when faith comes by hearing the word about Christ, and the faith comes back on the scene, and the walls begin to collapse. And then it says, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not. I think God even threw Rahab in here because if he threw in one of the guys that we considered to be holy, we'd have thought, well, this is just for glow-in-the-dark preachers or really holy dudes. But God threw Rahab in the mix here to say she ran a little brothel in Jericho just to show you that it's not about your performance. God can take somebody like that. And all they had to do was hang a scarlet collared cord of redemption in their window so that every bit of light that filtered in would filter through that redemptive cord and it would cause them to be able to receive by faith. I think that's powerful. And I, you know, I, I, one of the things that happened in Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 127, it says, the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 127 said this, after they'd been under the law for 40 years, they said, this was the end of their story. Deuteronomy, I believe it is 127 says, because the Lord our God hated us, he brought us out here to die. And I heard the Lord say to me, what made you think I hated you? Was it when I opened the Red Sea? Was it when I brought you out of Egypt with 400 years worth of back pay? Is that when you thought I hated you? Was it when a rock followed you? Is that when you thought I hated you? Was it when angels delivered on your lawn manna every day? Is that when you thought I hated you? See, their perception of God under law was they saw God through a veil and they didn't think he loved them. But I got good news for you. Faith works by love. The more you know you are loved of God and the more you know you're accepted, the more your faith is going to come alive. I believe you need to know today you're loved. I think there's somebody listening to me today and I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, listen, you need to know you are loved. I believe a miracle is going to take place right now on the other side of this camera for somebody that's believing God for a miracle. You've heard the word of the Lord today and it's not just been a word that you heard through a camera. It's a word you heard in your spirit. It became a rhema word to you. You said, I'm going to take my promise. I dare you to get up right out of your chair right now and shout right there in your living. You ought to shout until that cancer goes. You ought to shout until that blessing comes. You ought to shout until that check comes back in the mail. I believe we are God's people and we're heirs of the promise. And if these Gentiles could receive it with this centurion and this Canaanite woman, how much more us 
who are the seed of Abraham. Won't you receive it today? We're out of time. Thank you for joining us. If you've been blessed by our ministry, get behind what we're doing. Uh, it's faithful partners that help us take the gospel around the world. Without you, it's impossible. You can go to our website and use a credit card or debit card and so into the ministry. You can even set up a monthly uh, automatic debit to that. Oh, you can call that number on the screen. Somebody standing by to take your call if you'd like to give that way. God bless you. We thank you for joining us. Tell your friends about us to tune in again next week at the same time. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.